Welcome back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine, co-host and bestie. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, too. Yes, it's an afternoon and we're recording, and this is great. It is great. Yeah. I'm excited about this one. Me too. It's episode number 115. Mm-hmm. And today, friends, we're talking about the Jesus Revolution movie. Yeah. And ev- a lot to and say. And everything about it. Everything that we can fit in. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we can talk as long as we want. Don't you so, have to leave at two? Oh, yeah. Forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I. Well, no. My appointment's at four. Oh. So I have to leave by... Um, Three, well, the way you drive. 315. Two. You know, true. <laughs> yes. So just for a little update, any of you friends of ours that pray, continue to pray for Tracy because I'm damaged. I have a bulging disc. And I have no pain tolerance, Catherine. You do not. No. When they say, how bad is it? I go, it's a 10. Are you kidding me? It's all 10s. Fix it now. <laughs> yeah, make it go away. I have either zero or 10. Yeah. I don't have anything in between. Mm-hmm. But I'm in a doctor's hands, and I'm in the hands of the Lord, and I am getting better. I had a really good night last night. Yeah, and you were saying that today. I don't have don't any have pain any today. Pain. Yeah. Which, this is the first day you haven't had any pain. I would say probably in a month. Yeah. 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 But I go to PT, so today. Mm-hmm. So I have to do that. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Jesus Revolution movie, so let's jump in. We have a couple takeaways for you sponsors oh i always forget yeah maybe you should okay. put it on the sheet it is on the sheet no i mean <laughs> fill it in i know <laughs> all right talk about our sponsors i'm gonna go to our patreon page our sponsors are kenny and ron our husbands and then we we now have 11 yeah uh, other humor contributors yes and they help support us by paying five dollars a month um a couple of them have done a one lump sum Right. And this helps us to grow the this is this is a ministry of sorts, but it it helps us grow and we need money for new mics. 100% it's a ministry. Yes. And let me list list off while we're talking about our sponsors. We have Ursula. She's a new sponsor. So we welcome her Yes, as well as Nancy and uh, of course, Kenny Mm -hmm. and Karen, Janine. Ron, and, and he he entered this and he put in parentheses muffin Aww. or whatever those things are. What are those called that go like that? Parentheses? Yeah, that. Right. And then we have Darlene, Courtney, and Joan. So we thank you, uh, friends and sponsors of this podcast, and we know that you love to listen to us. Very so, much so. Thank you. When you were reading that, I was, uh-huh. <laughs> I was thinking of um, that show, gosh, when we were kids. Uh, kinder something romper room, romper room. and yes. she's saying i see Susie." oh and yeah it was all fake but now today yes. they can do it and by the way our sponsors that are not monthly contributors but they are giving a one-time donation are carla and yes. who was the other one? Oh, oh gail gail yeah yes, carla gail. and gail right so thanks friends we love you and soon we're going to get our new mics when we get enough put together and then we'll probably sound better Mm-hmm. hopefully so, we'll see all right well here's the takeaways that you're gonna receive mm-hmm. from listening to this episode okay, okay. so we've got Shoot. three of them mm-hmm. we're gonna review the movie so spoiler alert if you haven't seen it go see it and then come back and listen right. unless you don't care if there's spoilers or unless you already know history well, well, yeah, everybody kind of no, knows Jesus. No, not that part. Oh, you mean about of the, like the hippies and all that? Yeah, 
Okay. Anyway, <laughs> well, we're going to talk all about it. So we're not going to hold back. Yeah. And we want you to listen to us, but we also want you to go see the movie. So anyway, we're going to review it. We're going to talk about all the characters. Mm -hmm. And there are some characters. Oh, for sure. In this movie. And then we're going to give kind of like maybe the pros and cons or what are, you know, maybe we're, what we loved and what we didn't love. Yeah. Some cri and We're, we're going to talk, talk about, about some criticism. Yes. Because there's we criticism. Yeah. Yeah. It's not us. It's other people. But whatever. <laughs> We're not negative. All right. Well, let's just talk about the movie. Catherine, if you yeah. were just dropped down by airplane in the middle of a sea of people that had never heard of the Jesus Revolution movie, mm -hmm. how would you describe it? I would say it's a um, the last great awakening this country and this world actually has ever seen. There hasn't been one since. It was a movement and it was um, started in California. And it changed people's lives. It was so huge that it uh, was on the front cover of the Time Times magazine. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it made the, the national news as well. Mm -hmm. So it was a big deal. I would say that it was definitely the last big movement like this in our country. But I wouldn't go as far to say that that would include the whole world because I know that there was a big... Um, movement in Korea and there's even a lot going on in China right now that we don't even know about it's like the underground well, kind of stuff yeah that's what I had heard when um, you know I was looking into it mm -hmm. that it's the last really big one that started here and affected the whole world yeah right okay so you the US whole, based right okay mm -hmm. and I, I would say if I was describing it how would I describe the Jesus Revolution movie it, it's so fascinating. When yeah. I, I personally, I love true stories. Oh, me too. I love it, mm -hmm. especially when it's made into a film. Oh, yeah. Or documentaries. I love those two. You know, I mm -hmm. really don't care for fiction that much because I think that nonfiction is so much more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like some fiction yeah. if it's a good story. And but 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 anyway, no true. Um, true stories are definitely just more effective, more powerful. I think so. Because we know they're real. And the Jesus Revolution took place back in the 60s and 70s when, you know, the country, the United States of America was kind of a mess. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of protesting of the Vietnam War. There was a lot going on politically. There was a lot going on with racial tensions. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a... It was a it was a strange time. It, it I would call it vulnerable. And I would vulnerable. call it tenuous. You know, mm -hmm. like like on shaky ground, right? Yeah, and that's what they say about it as well. Those that lived through it and who were there, and um, it's it's just so interesting because that period of time. So it started in the late sixties. But prior to that, it was pretty clean, even, yeah, you the know, 50s the, the and, 50s. Mm -hmm. And um, there was Elvis and, you know, he shocked everybody by <laughs> With his, his <laughs> Elvis. Right. And, and the Beatles. Right. And they were coming out of that. And when you think about the way people um, dressed, the way TV was and so forth. And then just very shortly after that, in the mid to late 60s, when hippies started to emerge what a total shock that must have been to the generation ahead of them because here they were some of them barefoot sandals big bell bottoms and long hair very long hair and strange clothes like they've not seen before 
Yeah. So, and, and they, they represent. Go ahead. And their behaviors. Yeah. they. I was going to say they represented a rebellion. Right. Because they didn't buy into the culture that was telling them, you know. In fact, the, uh, one of the opening scenes of this movie, when we first meet uh, one of the characters, the main character of the movie is Greg Laurie. Yeah. And he's in military school. Mm-hmm. And he's being taught about the domino effect. Mm-hmm. Of why we're involved in Vietnam. Yeah. You know. And here he is sketching <laughs> cartoons. Right. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so tell us a little bit more about the movie. Like, what did you, what did you think of it? How many times have you seen it? <laughs> As if you <laughs> don't know. Let's talk about it. I saw it twice. Right. I loved it. And the first time I saw it with you. And then, um, and we put it out there for, you know, several to join. But of course, we're going during the day when everybody works. <laughs> Well, we were working. We, we were, were doing, doing research, research right. for the podcast. Yes, it's our job. Yes, we have yes, sponsors, yes. Catherine. Jeez. <laughs> to keep them happy. This is true. So then uh, the second time we brought our sponsors, our we, husbands. We did. And uh, and anyway, so that's how many times I saw it. I loved it. Yeah. And I would highly recommend it. It's a, a sort of evangelism, if, no, absolutely. if you will. And... It tells the story of Greg Laurie, who is now, he's a um, pretty well-known minister who has his own church called the Harvest Church. Mm-hmm. And so it's the story of he and his wife and then these other characters, uh, Chuck Smith um, and Lonnie Frisbee. Yeah. And it's interesting because it, it shows how uh, Greg came to faith and it shows it it's first of all it's a portrait not a picture of their lives so it's not exactly how things worked out but it all the main important things are they're they there are. Right. they're there exactly so I was about I said that because I was about to say that their romance the way uh, Greg and his wife Kathy met is not exactly how it happened but that doesn't matter Right, right. And I saw the movie three times. Mm -hmm. As you know, I saw it with you twice. Mm -hmm. And the first time that we went into the theater, like she said, it was the middle of the day on a weekday. And when when it was over with, I started clapping. Yeah, I was all excited. I was like, "Yes, Jesus!" Yeah. And then we went to see it with our husbands in the evening. I think wasn't it like a Sunday night or something? Yes, it was Sunday night because that's when Kenny. We're driving home, and Kenny goes, "He's like." I wish it, it feels like Sunday. Yeah. And I said, it is Sunday. And then we <laughs> laughed about that. Right. Because he had to go to work the next day. Right. And then I just went to see it again with my cousin, just because she remind or the, the char- character of Kathy, Kathy reminded me of my cousin yeah. when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. She was cute, blonde and popular and, you know, all that. So I was yeah. like, oh, Lynn's got to see this. And so we went to it and it was pretty packed. And it was yeah. also a weekday in the middle of the day. And during the film, people clapped. They cheered. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody say, like, amen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And honestly, all three times that I watched the film, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And there were certain times where I felt like goosebumps, especially yeah. when they were at the beach at Pirate's Cove. Oh, yeah. And they were doing the baptisms. Mm-hmm. I got goosebumps right now just talking about that. Yeah. Because that was, I think part of the power of the movie absolutely was those um beach baptisms Mm -hmm. you know you are saying goodbye to the old life 
and you are it's a symbol of you're you're dying with Christ yeah and you are coming up out of that water as a new creation mm-hmm. a brand new person right you've been born again the old is gone the new has come washed away love it yeah me too all right well let's talk about these characters okay so tell me your first impression of Greg Laurie when he was uh, as he was depicted in the film as a young man my first impression was this man curious and searching yeah and uh, it's it's obvious because his character. Well, in real life, he uh, he had a he did not have a father. Well, he had many different men that his mother um, brought into the home. She was married five or seven times, something like that. Most of them when she was younger, and um, so his life was rough growing up. And he seemed to be a bright young person. Uh, he did have this talent of drawing, and so he wanted his name to mean something. And um, his last name, Laurie, actually does mean like a, a new beginning, mm-hmm. I believe is what it means. But you find out in the movie that's actually not his real biological father, but the man, the one man whom his mother married that was stable and uh, clean and kind and all those good things and he actually adopted greg but then his mother left this man as well yeah so uh so anyway so his character is he's searching for truth and he finds it in well he doesn't find it he starts doing drugs right and that's what a lot of young people were doing i don't think they knew the warnings and dangers uh that we know now at yeah. least and they were doing acid yeah and i didn't know this because at that time in history i was like four or five years old or whatever mm-hmm. um i didn't realize that they were kind of promoting acid and those lsd trips as a psychedelic experience a spiritual renewal of sorts right so they were kind of pitching it like this is going to be your new spiritual life to go into this other world and to really receive this piece yeah right so he started trying it and experimenting with it Mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure it was him that had said you know in the beginning because i listened to so many different interviews sure but in the beginning yeah it was fun but then it became a, a really dark and he had a very bad experience so then uh that scared him yeah. and he i think he said that he wanted to just peel his skin off or you know he wanted to strip himself something like that and so um then he saw Lonnie Frisbee at a high school campus yeah and his most impressionable things that were said that he caught on to anyway was when Lonnie Frisbee said about Jesus that Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me and Greg Laurie said to himself well I'm not against him yeah. But I'm not really sure if I'm for him, but I don't, I'm not against him. You know, that's so, so interesting because oftentimes people don't think about where they stand with Christ. Right. Right. And that, and that question was posed and that, that was what hooked him. Yeah. And it wasn't like he had an immediate conversion, but he had time to meditate on that and think about that. And, and so then from there, uh, somebody invited him to this Calvary church and then he goes there and that's 
when next thing he knew he stood up because there was an altar call Mm -hmm. um and if anyone doesn't know what an altar call is it's it's a uh, an offering to come up and be saved basically to accept jesus into your life and so next thing he knew he was he was doing that yeah and then he thought well i don't know what to do next and he was going he actually had plans to go with his friends to go get high up on this hill or mountain or something like that and he thought to himself well i I don't I don't know if I should do that because isn't aren't I supposed to be different? Right. So he had time to think about that too. And then he declined. He told his friends he wasn't going to do that. And from then on, he was just sold out for Jesus. Yeah. And so that's Greg. You know, my, my first impressions of him when I was watching the movie three times <laughs> was I, I felt empathy in terms of his mother was addicted yeah. to oh, for, alcohol. Yeah. And I grew up in an alcoholic home. And there are certain, like, there were certain responsibilities that automatically fell on his shoulders. Right. Because, like, in the in the scene where he's leaving the trailer where he lives uh, with his mother to go to school on yeah. his bike. Yeah. And then he comes back to put out her cigarette mm-hmm. because she had fallen asleep in bed with a cigarette. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a sad reality of addiction, of yes. how it. Um, imposes on those that are around the addict yes to make sure that they stay alive and different things yeah i had empathy too and when he when he does leave the their trailer home to go to school and he gets on his bike and you see him pause for a moment like oh he's gotta go he just takes this deep sigh like i gotta go back back." and then you realize when you see the next scene he's putting his mom's cigarette out and and just that burden it, it does make you feel it, 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 yeah, I, I can't say that I felt sorry for him, like sympathy, but I definitely felt empathy. Mm-hmm. Because in a way, I feel like when you come up that way, there's a certain um, strength of character that is developed in you that if it goes in the right direction, you can do yeah. you can do some pretty powerful, amazing things. Well, that's key if it goes in the right direction, because yeah. it could just uh, beat somebody down. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, they call them demons, you know, like, like she, what was his mother's name? Charlene. Charlene. Charlene definitely had demons. She was a drop dead gorgeous woman. Mm -hmm. They showed the real life pictures of her. And of course, the actress who played her Mm -hmm. was Kimberly Williams Paisley. Mm -hmm. And she just nailed it. She nailed it. Yeah, according to the family, she she did nail it. Yeah, I looked into her life too. Yeah, and they uh, she came from a family of like I think nine siblings. Yeah, and they uh, were from Arkansas, and then they um, they moved up to uh, California. And her father and mother, I mean, they she grew up in a Christian home, and they were conservative. He was a farmer. And um, but she was rebellious since she was really young and she was beautiful and she want and they so they were in the shadows of Hollywood growing up and she wanted what she was seeing these actresses getting. So she was always seeking something, you know, more glamorous and and that kind of a life. Yeah, it's 
It's just hard. So that's the thing, though, is all these people, we'll get to that, were all seeking something. Yeah. And they weren't finding it, which is the whole point. His mother was, then he was. And right. then we'll get into these other characters as well. Right. Because as long as you live, right, you mm-hmm. can you can pour your life into alcohol and try to find the connection there or the peace there. You can pour your life into drugs, nothing. Food. Sex, nothing. Right. A career, nothing. Mm-hmm. So Charlene, although I did learn at the end of her life, she did she did receive the Lord. Fine. And I understand Greg had said in an interview that he had so many altar calls so many times that he had that she had attended his big church things yeah and he had altar calls and he would just really hope and pray that she would come up and she never did yeah but what real the what really matters is she did um a month before she died with him he prayed with her yeah 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 and now she's really at peace yeah she's she's finally got the peace that she so craved all right, well, let's talk about Kathy for a moment. Mm-hmm. And she was just so cute. That little actress who played her just yes. did such a great job. Yeah, right. She yeah. definitely was. Uh, she, too, they don't show this in the in the movie, but her real-life story is that she uh, grew up in a Catholic family, and uh, she had three sisters, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely two, but I'm pretty sure three. But anyway, and they um, were they were just at that age. Her oldest sister was just about to enter college or was in college, something like that. And they were seeking um, spiritual things. They were seeking, um, I guess you could say truth too. They were, you know, the, the big theme that was around young people then was don't trust anyone over 25 or yeah. 30. Yeah. And so, and it was a rebellious time. Mm -hmm. So they too experimented with drugs. And then, uh, same as Greg, Kathy had a bad experience and uh, it scared her and she was done. And um, now I forget how she comes to faith. I'm not certain if it was on the high school campus or not. I think it was. Mm -hmm. But... um, Anyway, so she um, she comes to faith, and then she eventually meets Greg, and uh, it, I think what was so sweet and so awesome was that when they had met Greg, like in the movie, he really did say to her, "I I really like you, mm-hmm. um, but if you get in the way of me and God, it we can't do this. Right, we're it's, done. Yeah. So he really did say that to her." Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And I love it that to this day, they've been married more than 50 years yes, right. and they're still in love with each other mm-hmm. and they're still in love with Jesus. Yeah. And they, you know, God used them mm-hmm. in an amazing way to point people to him. And yeah, there's absolutely. no question about it. Mm-hmm. Their he testimonies are strong. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked about Greg. We've talked about Kathy. We've talked about Charlene. Let's talk about Chuck. Yes. Who's Chuck? Sweet Chuck. Oh, yeah. Sweet Chuck. I love Kelsey Grammer in this film. Oh, yes. Love him. And I'm just going to say right now, because I I think I'll forget, that he was so moved by playing this character and being a part of this movie. And when Greg Laurie, the real Greg Laurie, had asked him, uh, why did you accept this? Right. And I almost said Frazier. Kelsey Grammer (laughs) said, I 
I wanted to do something that was meaningful. It had a lot of purpose. Yeah. And this seemed like the right thing. And the timing was amazing because this was supposed to happen. They were supposed to start filming before the pandemic. Right. Uh, but then that happened. And I, if I understood right, I think that if they had started filming then, they wouldn't have had Kelsey Grammer and they wouldn't have had Jonathan Rumi. Oh, really? Yeah. They who, weren't available? Yeah. Who plays Jesus in The Chosen. Oh, see? God mm-hmm. has his own ideas. His timing is good. Well, that's what the whole point was when we brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, Chuck Smith. Yes. So when when we're introduced to Chuck Smith Mm -hmm. in the movie. It's right at the beginning, isn't it? Yeah, it's at the beginning. And he is pastoring a small church, a traditional. A dying church. Yeah. It's kind of dead. It's kind of filled with old people and. You conservative know. With I, I like ties i like the scene where they're showing it they're showing the audience in his church the the congregant yeah and the one guy's the falling asleep sleep. and the wife is nudging, nudging him. him yes and the dot da- their daughter who we find out is jeanette i think yeah she's like oh, bored and then the mom puts her hand gently on her shoulder like calm down get no wake up <laughs> yeah right 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 <laughs> but uh they're sitting on the, the pastor um, chuck smith and his wife Kay are sitting on the sofa and they're watching the news about the hippies and they're shaking their heads in disgust and they're talking about um this is the end of times <laughs> and that um the world is going to hell in a handbag, basically. Well, yeah, and and he says something about if God wants me to meet a hippie, he's going to have yes. to walk in my living room himself. Yeah, you know, something like that. Right, right. And, 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 and he really did say that in real life. And you know, interesting when they show him preaching in his church. Mm-hmm. I've looked into some of the online sermons from Chuck Smith. He is a fantastic preacher. And I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. And I'm listening to all of his sermons mm-hmm. because they're solid. Yeah. So he was a solid man yeah. who turned his congregation to the word of God. Yes. And he preached it. Um, how, what's that term where they go verse yes, by verse, by, line by line? Oh gosh, starts with an E. Yeah, I oh, forgot. I what forgot it, what the it's name of too. it is. Sorry, Linda, our yeah. Bible study leader. She she yeah. would be like, "Girls, how many times have I told you?" Well, I don't know that she has said that. No. Well, anyway, well, anyway, it's line by line. He's yeah. literally by the expository. book. Ex- Thank expository. Thank you, Lord. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like suppository, but it's expository. <laughs> right. Line by line. Mm-hmm. And this this man, he basically has an awakening himself. Now, they don't show this in the movie, but in real life, his wife Kay had been praying for these hippies that walked by her house. And she, her heart was heavy for them because she knew that they were lost. She knew that they were doing drugs. And and so she had this heart for the hippies. Mm-hmm. And she would talk to her husband about it. And he he did say, they just need a bath. Mm-hmm. And he says this in the movie, too. And he had said it in real life. And then her uh, daughter's boyfriend, he would just go for car rides to pick up hitchhikers to evangelize to them, to minister to them, to tell them about Jesus. And you don't see this in the movie either. It's the daughter that actually mm-hmm. is driving. But the funny, did you know this? Yeah. Okay. But the funny thing is he's driving along and he sees a hippie who is Lonnie Frisbee. And Lonnie Frisbee 
walks along the road, walks around so that he can minister to people. But right. unbeknownst to each of them, um, that's what they're doing. And they, uh, the the boyfriend, John, I think right. his name is, yes. he picks up Lonnie, Lonnie mm-hmm. and that they greet one another. And Lonnie says, or one of them says first that they are evangelizing or ministering and they're like wow me too me too (laughs) so then this john brings lonnie to his future i don't even think it's a father-in-law to him well it was his His girlfriend's girlfriend's dad dad, which was chuck smith's house but in the film they depict it that jeanette is doing it so that's what you're going to see when you go see the film jeanette Mm -hmm. is driving her car down the road and she's singing that song, yes. that war yes. song, what is it good for? And then she sees Lonnie, and yeah. he's dressed in this... Uh, Crazy robe hippie clothes. Yeah, it's like this cape that he painted Jesus on himself. It was like a deerskin cape or something yeah. like that. And and she stops and picks him up, and he gets in, and she's like, you got to meet my dad. Right, right. <laughs> and she brings him over to meet her dad. Yeah. And then it's fun. It's, that's a... Like, I love this, that this film has humor built into it. Oh, yeah, it it does. It really has some great one-liners, and many of them come from Lonnie. Yes. In fact, I'm going to mention one of them. Um, Now, later on, uh, Lonnie introduces Chuck Smith to other hippies who happen to play, they're called Love Song, and they happen to play worship music, but they're they're hippies. And anyway... um, and there's this point where they're saying, okay, well, we'll come back next Sunday. But, oh, wait, the drummer has to f- <laughs> has to finish out his, his uh, drug sentence. And then Lonnie's character says, oh, yeah, that happens sometimes. Right, right, right. Well, and that really did happen, too. There were right. people that had to finish out their <laughs> drug right. sentence. And I love the way that Lonnie embraces Chuck. You yeah. know, he just hugs him and yeah. he says, this is great. And mm-hmm. and he h- holds the door of the house and he says, this house has a very good vibe. You yeah. Know? And yeah. It's just really well done. And yeah. I, I love Jonathan Rumi. Or is that his name? Jonathan yeah. Rumi? Rumi. I, I love mm-hmm. him in this film. I, of course, I love The Chosen, too. Yeah. So. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, Lonnie. Let's, oh, let's, boy. Let's talk about Lonnie. 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 Uh, I learned that his name was has been Googled yeah. the most. Yeah. And that's because his life was so colorful. He was an amazing person. He was used by God in an almost unbelievable way. It was miraculous. It was miraculous. Yeah, it was. It was intriguing. It, uh, yeah. It's all those things. I don't even know where to begin other than to say, and you do learn this in the movie, that he previously, before he became a Christian, he um, he did drugs. He The way he said it was, we did everyone and everything or yeah. something like that. Like, meaning that they did every kind of drug and they had sex with anything. Yeah. You know, any man, any woman. Right, right. Uh, we don't learn this from the movie, but in real life, he was abused as a young boy yeah and so um now we only know that because we did some research he was sexually abused by mm -hmm. a a babysitter teenage boy Mm -hmm. who was the babysitter yeah and it went on for a long period of time and he was only like seven or eight so imagine a little first grader or second grader being sexually molested by a teenager it's just horrifying well and add 
to that, the era that he was brought up in. Yeah. You did not, you really didn't hear about it. And not only did you not hear about didn't it, but you absolutely it. didn't talk about it. Yep. And there certainly wasn't any help for it. Right. Also add to that, he was a, uh, neglected or abused by his uh, biological father, either that or the stepdad, but neither one of them were fathers, good fathers. And so... Uh, He definitely came from a really bad and rough background as well. So, but now in the movie, he loves the Lord. And everybody who knows him, who walked with him, lived with him, said that he was just an amazing man. A man who was on fire for the Lord, the Holy Spirit. In particular, most people who know him or knew him, because he's gone now. Yeah. uh, They said that he had an amazing gift of they prophecy healing all and he things. had boldness he had boldness and he embraced the holy spirit yeah um and it's just, it's just a powerful movie and like i said there's so many things to say about lani yeah that i don't know where to begin and where to end um you know what i i feel for lani frisbee is love i love yes, him yeah I absolutely love that God, the way I walked away from this movie was I I felt like, okay, God chose to use a broken person. As he does in the Bible. He absolutely does. Mm -hmm. And Lonnie was was broken. Yeah. And he was broken at a really young age. Yeah. And then to come out of the drug scene and the sex scene of the 60s and the 70s, you know, to come out of that and become a born-again Christian. Yeah. And to devote your life yeah. to ministry. And he was never about money. He was never. Ne- yeah, he was offended by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he he loved people. He loved Jesus so much, but he was always flawed and broken. Right. But he it didn't stop him. No. And right. I, I feel like if we could do that today, we're flawed and broken. Yes. We're right. a mess. Right. We're just, you know, we prayed before this episode as we do every single time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can tell, but <laughs> we do. And we prayed because um, we, we said, Lord, help us, because we're just trying to put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to stay vertical, you know, mm-hmm. in this weird fallen world that we live in. Yeah. And Lonnie did a great job of pointing people to Jesus. That's right. And that's why it bothers me so much when um, there's criticism about him, because uh, he does bring up controversy. And that's because he did some backsliding. But so did... Everybody. Everybody in the Bible. Tell me one person in the Bible who didn't backslide. Right. There's not one. And God used them in powerful ways. They're written into God's word. Right. So we can't forget that when we're thinking about people and how they backslide. You know, I could get it. I I guess I could understand it if um, if he never repented and he was literally a hypocrite. But that's not what he was. No. He he backslid. He had demons, but the point was he repented. And he has three books, by the way, and I'm going to get them. I'm oh, going to read them. His uh, best friend, I his best friend um, spoke for him, spoke up for him. Now, I'm saying these words, not the best friend. Lonnie's not here to defend himself right. anymore. But his best friend had said that um, he did a podcast on YouTube and uh, he read some stuff from the last book that Lonnie wrote. He actually spoke into 
um, speaker on his thing. deathbed. On he his was, deathbed, he was yeah. saying all these things, right? And he and he um, spoke up about that, about his because he died of AIDS. Yeah. So he did some explaining, and he also said, "Look, I I do not condone this. I I um I just it, it's weird the way he worded it." Um, there, you just have to see for yourself. I don't want to get into all of that, but he definitely, um, he, he made some mistakes, but he came, he came through it again. He repented and he said, I, I know I'm, I'm right with the Lord now. I, and I'm, I'm forgiven. And, uh, his brother, I watched an interview on him too. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, people who were very, very close to him, um, believe that a hundred percent. And it was, ju- it was just a, a time in his life when he so after this movement that was in uh california he went to work on his marriage down in florida well down in florida there was another movement that was rising up and that was called the shepherding movement Mm -hmm. and that movement was really bad it was a controlling thing everybody that i saw anyway said that was a a terrible thing it was a very controlling and not, Mm -hmm. not good well, somehow uh, Lonnie got not, he was involved, but he wasn't part of the leadership or anything like that, but it bruised him, hurt him or mm-hmm. whatever. So then he came back up to California and now he's back with, with Chuck Smith, but he's in a parking situation, parking director. Attendant or yeah, whatever. Right, yeah, right. For people that were attending the church, which was an insult to to him. And I'm sure that hurt his ego, It you know. But then, um, sometime after that, he starts the vineyard. And then there's this whole thing. I don't know much about it, but I want to look into it. This thing that most people seem to know about where Lonnie was asked to preach or something at this Mother's Day event. Do you know mm. about this? Yeah. Okay. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and just, um, I don't know what happened. But I just know that it was an amazing thing. And then the people were divided after that. Because mm-hmm. I guess, you know, the people that weren't as um, uh, Open. theatrical yeah. is what they called yeah. it. Uh, they, were, they were like, okay, you're either going to go with him or you're going to come with us. So it was, was split in half. And then this is how the vineyard is born, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, But about that, about that incident at Mother's Day, like I said, I'm not sure all the details, because the interviews I saw, they don't go into that other than it was like, oh, my gosh. I don't, and I guess, too, that when Lonnie tried to explain the, the situation, it got worse and worse and worse. The more he talked, the worse it got. But that's because he wasn't really gifted in, in that, but he was gifted in so many other ways. And then this other person um, that was more eloquent in speech spoke up for him and said, I think this is what Lonnie meant just trying to say right and then Lonnie stands up he goes that's not at all what I'm saying (laughs) he said I'm saying you can't prostitute out the Holy Spirit you cannot put the third Godhead of God in the back room that's what I'm saying right so then there was this big split yeah and that was kind of the the friction uh of the of that portion of the movie even between Chuck and Lonnie yeah Chuck was open to the Holy Spirit but he was more centered on teaching the Bible. 
Yeah. And Lonnie was open to the Bible, but he was more centered on the Holy Spirit. And the two of them had some disagreements there. Yeah. And they parted ways, as you said, but then in the end, they reconciled. Yes. But there was definitely some friction there. Right. As there's friction today in the church. There's always with all of that. something. There's always something. It's yeah. interesting, by the way, the, the the friend, the best friend of Lonnie, um, I think his name is John as well. He had said when he was describing it, and I thought this was really neat. Um, he said, well, when you have the truth, which is the word, without the spirit, you dry up. When you have the spirit without the truth, you blow up. And when you put them together, you grow up. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's cool. It's like all things in in balance perspective you know Mm -hmm. and because you really do have to become a student of the word but you also have to become open to the holy spirit yeah because it's powerful it is powerful now and i could i can say and admit that during the movie when i was watching it and lonnie is um healing people right and I just didn't know how to receive that because there's, I guess because there's been so many fakes out there, Yeah, you know? Right. And so I was, I was like, oh man, I'm not sure. And I, I, I get it that it looks theatrical. Yeah. And so, uh, by the way too, not that this really matters either. Lonnie, they show the, the big tent where they started holding church. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lonnie actually was gone by then, by the right. time they moved to that big tent. Yeah, because this, the small church that they started in Calvary Chapel mm-hmm. in California, they outgrew that relatively quickly once Lonnie started to share some things and inviting all the all of his friends. And, yeah. and communal living was definitely a thing that these hippies had been doing. Mm-hmm. And they replicated that, only they were doing it in Christian-owned um, structures. So there was a motel that Chuck Smith bought and he they rented out rooms to these you know new believers and they yeah. did discipleship and it was a beautiful model yeah um right. in some ways i will say this because i became a christian in a parachurch community so mm-hmm. the navigators in college and that was in the 80s mm-hmm. um 85 through um 85 when did i graduate 87 so yeah i, I actually started attending school in 84 and graduated in 88 it was 88 Anyway, during that period of time, those four years, uh, campus ministry was on fire. Mm. So every college campus in Illinois had a navigator ministry, Mm. and they were all big and thriving and growing, and we Mm -hmm. did conferences together, and it was a blast. Mm -hmm. And it it wasn't communal living like we saw in this film, but when you think about it, when you're on a college campus, you are kind of in a little community. I was going to say, yeah, you are in a community. And we lived in the dorms by design. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was an upperclassman, I could have lived in an apartment off campus. Mm -hmm. But in the Navigators, we had a model of ministry where we we were ministering in the dorms. Yeah. And the only way that you could really do it is by living there. Mm -hmm. Right. And my roommate and I, Kristen... Uh, she and I split, we lived, we were roommates in one room and we split the dorm in half Mm -hmm. and she knocked on every door from floors like seven to 14. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on every door of floors one to seven or however it is we split it. Yeah. And we recruited um, people to come into our Bible study and we each had Bible studies that we led. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was phenomenal. It was powerful to see a brand new Christian, somebody who had never read the Bible before in their life. Yeah. And they're at that stage and age of life where they are kind of searching what Mm. is my purpose what am i looking for what do i want to do with my life yeah 
and have them come in and read the Bible, learn the Bible. We did a lot of scripture memory. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. So I loved it. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, we've talked about all these characters. Let's talk about the criticism yeah. that this movie has received. How are you yeah. feeling about that? It makes me, I feel myself getting worked up inside yeah. when I think about it. No, I get it. I get that people want to honor God and they want to be sure that there's no false teaching. I get all of that. And this this sort of happens every time a so-called like Christian movie comes out. Yeah. There's always some criticism of sorts or even programs like The the Chosen. Right. Right. There's criticism on both sides. Yeah. The, right. The thing is, as long as the doctrine is not compromised in any way, mm-hmm. if this points people who don't know God, if it points people in that direction, then God great yeah there's been things you and i have turned on and we're like whoa we cannot watch this we can't watch it because it's too doctrinally false yeah but all the other little stuff that comes and pops up will fall into place god will take care of that yeah yeah he sorts it out right but yes there's criticism i did watch this one kenny and i both did uh there was something we clicked on because i i wanted to see what opposition right was yeah being said and it said don't watch this movie and it was i surprisingly it was a young guy yeah much younger than me and he was hip and he had all the cool stuff for his podcast a youtube podcast and he his argument was lame in in the end um he was saying that it's not that simple you can't he was criticizing the sinner's prayer because in the movie they do that they uh, walk through, you know, at the baptisms, they walk through the, the sinner's prayer. And uh, I was just getting so mad because it's it's <laughs> nitpicking. We all know the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible, but neither is the word Trinity. But we understand that that is um, a word to sum up who God right. is right. in three persons. Okay, we all know that. And the sinner's prayer is a, it's a condensed version of the entire Bible. Um, well, pretty much the New Testament, that we need to repent and be sorry for our sins. He even criticized the um, the line that was, I'm sorry for my sin. Yeah. And I thought, how could you criticize that? I don't get it. Yeah. I, I've heard a lot of different criticisms on all sides, both in the Christian world and in the secular world. You know, lots of different criticisms. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this. If you're not being criticized, you're probably not making a big enough splash. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, yeah, you know, your girl has been criticized from a comedy th- stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> in different circles. Mm-hmm. And it's OK. We can still love each other yeah. and disagree with the methods. Right. right. And as you said, God will sort it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing about the Jesus revolution, it was estimated that it would have a seven million dollar revenue oh. opening. Uh-huh. OK, so that was the estimate mm-hmm. based on whatever they based that on. But in actuality, they had a $15.5 million opening weekend, which was phenomenal. So awesome. That's phenomenal. Yes. And then they do this thing called Cinema Scores. And I I had never heard of it. Well, this director, John Irwin, he's the first director Mm -hmm. in the movie industry, Mm -hmm. both Christian and non-Christian. It's crazy. You're not going to believe this, So you're including Opie, right? Ron Howard. Yeah. uh, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. All of them. Uh, He's the first the director to receive four A plus 
grades. It's crazy. On this cinema score. Yeah. So this is his fourth movie that has received an A-plus cinema score. That makes me think that God really did have an anointing in this. Because people are going to, there's going to be buzz about that. That You would think. Well, I hope so. You would think there would be. I just, I do believe that though. I believe there's God's anointing on it. I believe that too, because Mm -hmm. you know what? God is big. Mm -hmm. He's bigger than this world. Mm -hmm. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Mm -hmm. And this, um, the cinema score is an audience poll. Yeah. So it's not the critics, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not the so-called experts Mm -hmm. on movies. But it's the audience. Mm-hmm. And, and what they, does that tell you? They pull the audience and they, they want to know what your experience is like. I, I also think that this kind of success with a film like this shows that uh, the community, the public, right, is hungry yeah. for uh, art that is faith-based. Yeah, Praise I, the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I got goosebumps. So. By the way, that. this Irwin... He also made and created, uh, I Can Only Imagine, another true story about the lead singer of Mercy Me. Very good movie. And um, what's his name? Not Russell. Um, Oh, my goodness. Dennis Quaid. Right. He He is the dad in it. I would highly recommend you to see that as well. Very good movie. Very good testimony. Um, And he's an incredible storyteller mm -hmm. because the director of the film is really basically they find a story mm-hmm. and he found this Time magazine that said Jesus yeah. Revolution and he researched oh. it for years. Yes, he you did. Know. Yes, he did. Um, he was also, let's see, what else did he direct? Because I'm looking he at the He also did right um, Underdog or something like that. He did Woodlawn. Oh, Woodlawn. In yeah, 2015. Yep. I can only imagine in 2018 an American Underdog. American Underdog. In 2021. Yeah, so... Kudos to John Irwin mm-hmm. for being excellent at his craft because storytelling is something that human beings enjoy. Yes. We enjoy a good story and we like it to be told in a good way. Yeah. And he's done that. Yes, he has. I am looking up Time Magazine. Well, while she does that, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to um, say this as we you know, start to wind down this episode. Um, I appreciated all the characters in this movie. I felt like they showed the sloppy side of humanity. Uh-huh. You know, they didn't show the pristine um, three-piece suit uh, Christian yeah. type of a thing. And I just think it's beautiful that the way that it all unfolded was exactly the way that it was supposed to. Yes. And, you know, I don't. I think that it just speaks for itself. I, I think so as well. All right. Um, well, let's move on because yeah. I, I see that you're not finding that. <laughs> so I know. Let's, because, just, let's yeah. just say this. Um, we don't have to have the exact number, but that Time magazine is very valuable now. Yeah. So if you want one, go buy one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's... Do you have anything else to say about the Jesus Revolution movie? Not about the movie, mm-hmm. but I'll say that we feel something is that God brewing. is on the move. God Something's brewing. Yeah. There was the the thing down in Asbury. There was another one in Texas. And um, we're talking about this long time uh, service that just didn't end. And I'm not sure how long it lasted. The thing at Asbury? Yeah. Yeah, the revival? Was, yeah. Yeah. But there are 200 churches as of just a few days ago that were 
experiencing the same thing. So we'll just keep praying for that. And, you know, and for those that are criticizing even that, because you can you can hear voices on all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I say, let God be God. Yeah. Let him figure it out. Right. Let's pray for our own Jesus revolution. Mm -hmm. Let's be humble and say, Jesus, change me. Transform me and right? welcome the Holy Spirit. Heck yeah, Holy Spirit, activate. That's right, <laughs> do it. All right. Well, we have some scripture to encourage you with, as we always do here on the Life Happens Life of Me podcast. And today we're going with Second Corinthians five seventeen, and it says this: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and that means anyone, that means the hippies, the squares, the uh, LGBTQ community, all men, all women. Uh, anyone, anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Woo. The old has gone, the new is here. And we chose that scripture because we felt like it best represented transformation. Yeah. And that's really what this movie was all about. Yeah. And they, they had the baptismal scenes were phenomenal. Yeah. And when they yeah. showed Greg being baptized and he goes down, mm-hmm. oh, I, I just get I goosebumps. I know. So... Uh, our call to action from today's uh, podcast episode is go see, go see this the movie. movie. Go see it. Uh, we've seen it five times between the two of us. <laughs> and I might go see it I again. I might too. You I've know, invited my kids. Yeah. And I'm hoping they go. I want to support uh, these kinds of stories being told. Me I want to be a part of yeah. any Jesus revolution. And I'm not ashamed to say I'm just you know, trying to put one foot in front of the other. I'm just a human being trying to love the Lord. That's it. I got nothing else. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's a wrap for the Jesus Revolution. Uh, What's our next episode? Procrastination. No, no, it's not. What is it? Really? Do we know? No, we said when we were going over our outline and made a joke about it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, remember? Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so here's the thing with our outline. (laughs) We need to work on it. We need to work on it. Last year, we had an editorial calendar that was pretty tight. I mean, we would bump things like procrastination has been bumped for over a year now. Uh And we're going to get to it. (laughs) But if you have a topic, friends, that you'd like to hear us um, yap about, please email us. Yes. Find us. We want to be relevant. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm still comedian Tracy DeGraff. I'm still Catherine. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.